This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. It is our weekly hockey podcast. Tim Benz and Seth Rorba. Seth covers the Penguins at Trib Live, and he is hard at work today. A little peek behind the curtain here. Seth and I plan to speak at 1 o'clock on Friday afternoon, and I called him, and he said, I'm going to have to call you back. 49 seconds ago, they announced that Yarmir Yager's number is being retired. So that's the big news of the day. Seth, sorry that we caught you on such a crazy day, but thank you for taking the time to join us and talk about Yager getting number 68 hoisted to the rafters on February the 18th. Yeah, just a, just a typical Friday news dump, right? Um <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, you knew it was going to happen. They've been, you know, in years past, I think Kevin Acklin, you know, the team president of hockey, op- of, uh, business operations, I forget his exact title, but he all but said, yeah, we're going to do something with the armor yarder at some point here, but, um, just to see it actually kind of have a set date, have a, you know, an actual formal announcement. I mean, it, it really brings a lot of things full circle when you consider just how messy of a divorce he had here in 2001. Uh, when they traded him to the Capitals. And, uh, you know, it was basically a salary dump for them because they didn't have the money at the time. But uh, just to kind of see this all full come full circle, I mean, it, I guess it will formally come full circle whenever, you know, they have the ceremony and the, the jersey actually goes up there to the rafters and, you know, he speaks and everything like that. But um, just to see them kind of close this gap, uh, it's been more than two decades uh, since he left and really hasn't had much of a formal, you know, tie to the organization, despite being so important for the organization uh, during his time here. Um, it, it's really, um, I don't know if sobering is the right word, but it, it really brings a lot of clarity uh, for, you know, the relationship that's existed or hasn't existed uh, for this, between the two parties for more than two decades. That's one that I think everybody's going to want to be a part of for a lot of the reasons that you brought up, Seth, not just how great he was as a player, but also just to see um, that gap close between him and the organization after it really became a chasm following the 2001 divorce. Well, you know, obviously uh, in 2001, I mean, I think the one thing everyone kind of remembers there, and they probably don't remember it correctly, is when he had the, that famous or infamous quote, I'm dying alive out there, and everyone kind of thought oh, I was just yogurt being pouty and you know, you know, being moody and things like that. And he was really just talking about, how poorly he was playing at that time, uh, in, you know, in, during his final season with the Penguins, and uh, but that always kind of got stamped onto him. So, oh, he wanted out of Pittsburgh, but yeah, it really, it, rightly or wrongly, it took on a life of its own, and, and really kind of became you know the signature of how he departed. And um, you know, we all kind of remember the the infamous flirtation with the Penguins back in uh, what 2011, I think, uh, when he ultimately signed with the, uh, with the the Philadelphia Flyers of all teams after he said he'd love to come back to Pittsburgh and. Um, that didn't help matters. And, um, but you know, I just think he's at a point now. I mean, he, he was an active player up until last year. I don't know that he's formally retired as a professional player. Uh, he hasn't played any games this season for Cladno, his team in, in the Czech, in Chechia, I should say. Um, he still owns that team, but, uh, he hasn't played any games this year. I don't know if, again, if he's formally retired or not, but he, he, he's not an active player. Let's put it that way. So, 
um, it gives them an opportunity, I guess, now to actually come over here, you know, logistically do all those things. So, um, and again, I think that that relationship has warmed up a little bit in recent years when, uh, when he came back a few years ago with the Florida Panthers, they, they present him with a plaque uh, with his name on it that was made out of the, uh, the aluminum from the roof of the Civic Arena. Uh, he seemed to really, really, uh, you know, be touched by that. Um, I, I think over the summer uh, he came to town for like an autograph signing, and he, he did some kind of you know informal function here at the at PBG Paints Arena. And obviously, uh, the announcement here on Friday uh, that he's, his jersey is going to be retired really uh, again uh, uh, brings a, a nice conclusion to what's been a you know a really really long 22, 23 years here. You know, the dying alive thing to me it wasn't even so much the quote; it was part of a bigger pout fest for Yager by the end and he had kind of a blow up with Linka that year when things were going south in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Devils I mean there was more to it than just the quote um you know it I think there was a sense that even if they weren't in the salary disarray that they were that maybe the marriage had to end anyway um so I, I get why it ended as badly as it did but you know, one thing that I think people would have preferred to see, Seth, if it could have come to pass faster, is that Mario was still potentially owning the team, but that's not the case anymore. Do you know if Mario is going to be a part of this? Has there been any uh, confirmation on that yet? Uh, nothing on that front, yeah, but it's it's hard to imagine he would not be there in some capacity. Uh, you know, Mario is still, even if he's a you know, minority owner of the team, he still will tend to speak on behalf of the team. Um uh, I, I remember what even last December when Franco Harris, you know, passed away. Uh, Mario was the one who issued a statement uh, through the team, uh, acknowledging you know, Franco Harris's importance to the city and everything like that. So, um, I would dare say Yarmer Yager has a similar importance uh, to the Penguins, uh, and I, I can't imagine you know Mario Lemieux or other you know well-known or, or famous Penguins uh, luminaries from those eras uh, who would be available. Uh, guys like Kevin Stevens, whoever. Uh, would not be, you know, participating in uh, this 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 uh, ceremony coming up here in February. So, uh, again, nothing confirmed on Mario, but uh, it's hard to imagine uh, he would not be part of it, just given uh, how much those two are linked together uh, over what they did uh, during Yager's eleven seasons with the Penguins. By the way, Seth, I'm looking at resale value for the tickets. Within an hour, <laughs> it's already over a hundred dollars for the cheapest seats, and you know anything else that's out there for a Penguins game. Uh, in the immediate future, PPG Paints is 45 50 so it's double that already. The Kings are the opponent that day. They just beat the Kings. We'll talk about the current Penguins in a second, but I'm just amazed they found a team that he didn't play for as the other club. I mean, yeah, you, you probably could throw a dart in an NHL map and probably hit <laughs> one of them. Uh, even the Dallas Stars that he played for for like six, seasons, six months or whatever, so... Um, yeah, I'm not sure quite sure how they arrived at the Kings. It might just be how Yager, Yager's schedule is owner of the team Gladno lines up or if he's still going to try to play this season. I don't know. But um, if nothing else, I, I guarantee the Penguins will at least have two sellouts uh, by that date. They haven't had one since the uh, season opener yet. So uh, that, that that game will definitely be a, a packed house, one would imagine. You know, one thing that's good about him is, you know, there is now a generation gap. There is an age gap from the Mario Yager Penguins to fans of today. And he has played so long and sort of this living legend of Yager thing, I think has connected him and kept him relevant to the newer, younger generation of Penguin fans that they can still kind of take an ownership in this, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, uh, the one thing I always kind of, I, I guess, link to uh, with regards to Yager and longevity and just his his presence here is, um, and maybe it's just because I'm a big stack geek, but you know, they've had at least one Czech player on their roster every single season since Yarmir Yager's rookie year. And when guys like Redeem Sahorna or, you know, John Ludwig come through, uh, you know, and I, I always bring that up just again, since I'm a big stack, I, you know, they're younger guys. You know, Ludwig's like 22 and, you know, Zahorna is like 27. Right? I'll bring it up to him like, oh, yeah, Yager. Yeah, he was a good player. And it's like I, I might as well be talking to, you know, some kid from New York about Babe Ruth. Um, it, it's just he's such a icon uh, ter- or like almost like a folk hero, like Paul Bunyan of, of Chechia. Uh, that, you know, even guys from his own country that, you know, are, are too young to play with him. You know, that's how they kind of look at him. And um, it really, I guess, stamps on just how long it's been since Yarmir Yager's played here. And, um, and again, every you walk around, you still see a lot of plenty of Yarmir Yager jerseys, but it's almost in, in, in the, the context of him being more a folk hero than, than an all-star player who actually helped his team win games. So, um Again, it's it's just it's a good day for the organization. It's going to be a really great day for the organization on February fourteenth. Is that correct? Eighteenth day, right? Eighteenth. Eighteenth. I, I have that transposed wherever in, in back of my head here, but um, it's just a great moment for the organization to kind of finally uh, close this gap. See, now the fourteenth would have been against one of his former teams. Would have been against Florida. <laughs> they play Florida on the fourteenth at home, and then they got a road game in between against Chicago. He and might that, have went home with Florida great. just to get some sun tan. <laughs> no, that would have been great if they had done it. It would have been, well, of course, Chicago opened up here, but they could have done it against the Blackhawks. They just could have showed that goal in a loop over and over again from the 92 final. Oh, yeah, the game time goal, uh, game one that game set one. up Mario's, uh, 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 yeah, that set up Mario's uh, game winner in game one there. So um, uh, certainly no shortage of highlights for Yarmir Yarmir against any team in the NHL. Seth, let's talk about the uh, current team against Seth Rorba with us. Covers hockey for Trib Live. I wrote today that the three-game sweep in California, it's not like it erased what happened with their bad homestand, but it was a little whiteout. Yeah, I mean, it's it certainly, you know, balanced, I guess, uh, what you know, their, their clunky start to the season. Um, uh, just getting three three wins, six points, clean points. No, you know, um, I, well, obviously they gave up the one point, I guess, to L.A. there, but um, just getting six points out of, you know, uh, three games, I mean, that's as perfect as you can get, I guess, so. Um, and at least in the, you know, the, the overtime win against Los Angeles and, and, you know, Anaheim's also, you know, playing pretty well. I mean, two of those games are against, you know, fairly good teams. The the Sharks, you know, you know, notwithstanding, that's a pretty rotten team there. Um, but, um, getting wins against two, you know, solid, strong teams uh, that, you know, are, you know, appear to be legit playoff contenders. Um, that's a pretty positive sign there. So. Um, you know, again, you'll take points anytime you can get them. Uh, you'll get them, you'll take them against the San Jose Sharks if you can, but you also take them against the LA Kings if you can. So, um, you know, again, I, I there's still some you know wrinkles, there's still some things that need to be ironed out, and that'll be the case over any 82 game season. But, um, it's certainly a nice rebound again after a, a fairly clunky first, you know, two or three weeks of the season. What'd you think of Hellberg in the game and a half, game and a third that he played? Um, he seems, you know, stable. He seems like a perfectly viable number three goalie. He's not going to shut everything down. Uh, there's going to be some, some game, some parts of his game where that, you know, that look off or look, you know, you, you kind of, you know, wince a little bit and that's why he's a third goaltender. That's why he's played for 19 teams in his professional career. Um, he is who he is, but you know, in the, the short sample size we've seen him with him with the Penguins, I mean, he's, he's done what he's need, needed to do to help this team win. And, that's really all you can ask from a goaltender in his position. Uh, 
Um, again, he's not going to make anyone forget Tristan Jari. He's not, probably not going to ever surpass Alex Ndelkovic if once Alex Ndelkovic gets healthy. But um, Magnus Helberg was brought in here uh, to help boost this team's depth at the goaltending position. Uh, that was a stated goal by Kyle Dubas this past offseason. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, we've seen what's happened with them with uh, goaltending you know, health and depth issues in recent years when they're going down to Louis Deming and Dustin Dukarski and you know, you know, Manny Legacy and things like that in recent years. And um, I would dare say Magnus Hilberg's maybe the best number three goalie they've had, you know, for a little while here. Uh, maybe at least since you know the the flurry Jari uh, Murray days, um, but um, uh, again he he did what he needed to do in his station as a third goaltender for this organization. And um, again, if they ever have to turn to him for a prolonged stretch of time, probably not going to be an ideal situation. But um, he represented maybe a boost uh, in that area, uh, given some of the offseason maneuvers there by Kyle Dubas. What are you hearing about Jari? Um, uh, nothing more. And, you know, just based on what, you know, the outlets have traveled out there and covered the road games, it just said he maybe had more of a facial injury than a head injury. Uh, if you can make that distinction, uh, he t- you know, I guess he took a puck to the face there, uh, per Mike Sullivan's quotes. Um, yeah, when his head and his mask became dislodged and, you know, there's a reason you wear a mask. You don't want to get hit by a puck there. And he ended up getting hit by a puck. And, uh, it seems like it's more a matter of just, uh, the swelling around his eye needing to go down for him to return to the net. So, um, doesn't seem like there's any kind of issues with you know, concussions or neck or anything like that. I mean, that, that collision with Adam Henrique uh, uh, from the Ducks did look kind of, you know, uh, didn't look great. Uh, but thankfully, uh, again, it doesn't seem like concussion or neck issues are an, are an issue. It's more just a matter of, uh, of Tristan Jari's vision. And, and thankfully, it's nothing, you know, structurally wrong with the eye. It's just a matter of the, the his cheek, I guess, uh, the swelling there going down to, to allow him to uh, see the, see the puck a little better. Those last two games, Sid's backhand sure was on display, wasn't it? Yeah, based on the highlights I saw, I mean that's you know he, he was he was ripping it pretty good. Um, he, uh, I mean that's his signature. Uh, you know, for whatever else he does in hockey uh, throughout the rest of his career, the backhander is going to be his signature. And, um, the way maybe like a, a one timer is, you know, Alex Ovechkin's signature. Um, you know, a wrist shot maybe you know for 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 Wayne Gretzky or whoever else. Uh, you know. Sidney Crosby's backhander is going to be his signature. And um, I, I don't know anyone that even approaches him in terms of having a backhander that's that lethal. But um, that's been something he's worked on probably since the moment he first picked up a hockey stick. And um, that's, uh, I, again, I, I'd love to see maybe if there was ever kind of like a itemization of, you know, his goals, forehand, backhand, you know, wrist shot, you know, you know slap shot one time or whatever. But, I'd be willing to bet uh, the vast majority, or you know, maybe even uh, you know, close to a majority of uh, his goals over his career have been through the backhand. Because um, again, that's just his signature shot. Before we go, Seth, one more thing back to Yager. Who's next? Would they ever retire, say, Flurry or Gino's number before Sid decides to retire, or does he have to be next? Do you think? Um, I, I think they would consider it uh, those other guys uh, probably more. Uh, Malkin than than Flurry. Uh, I think they would consider it mainly just based on you know I, I guess the logistics. You know who retires first in chronological order. Uh, yeah, sure. What I'm getting at, like, like you know, if, if Sid pulls a Yager and plays into his early 40s, and or Malkin or Flurry were to hang him up after this year, I mean, Flurry might. Would they have to wait until Sid decides to retire, or would they? sort of allow, even though Sid's probably the next greatest player in Penguins history, and probably in front of Yager at this point anyway, but you know what I mean, where they have to wait to yeah. do Sid next. 
I'm going to rule out Flurry on that. Uh, I just, I mean, as great as a player as he has been, you know, impactful for this franchise, he, he's not been like that top five player for the organization. That's a very, very rare level of the stratosphere. Uh, heck, it's the mesosphere. If you if you want to get scientific here with the uh, you know different levels of the atmosphere, uh, I mean you know in, in all due respect, Michelle Briere, his retirement came through just horrible, tragic you know circumstances with his premature death in 1971. But um, for the other players uh, that have been retired or will be retired, you know Mary Lemieux and Yarmir Yager. I mean, you're talking about guys who were um, the best of the best, that one percent in the NHL during their time in the NHL. Um, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are each kind of in that discussion. Um, again, it might just come down to who retires first in chronological order. And, you know, I would w- be willing to bet Evgeny Malkin a year older, uh, uh, and, you know, just based on you know what his contract is, uh, you know, he might go back to Russia when things are done here in the NHL. Um, he might be first to retire and be the first uh, to get his Jersey retired than just Sidney Crosby, because I can't imagine him going quietly, uh, into retirement, and maybe going into his mid forties to play, it might be you know, more, more years in that sense, just based on uh, his uh, determination and ability to play. Uh, you know, one would presume uh, well into uh, his his middle years, I guess. Seth, thanks, appreciate it. Appreciate the hustle, getting the story up, and calling us back. I know it's a busy day, like you said. Friday news dumps are the best, so thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for taking the time to join us in the middle of all this. Anytime, Tim. All right, that is Seth Roarbuck, our beat writer, covers the pens at Trib Live.